HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio. Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member-based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset. Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing from cake-making to wine-tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Are you looking to make a change in the way you eat for a better body, a better planet, maybe a better budget? If you are, there's an app for that. Stay tuned to this episode of Tech Bytes. Hey there, Heritage Radio Network listeners. Did you miss me? We were on a little bit of a summer hiatus, summer breaky in August, and now we are back in September for the fall season of Tech Bites, the weekly Heritage Radio Network show that talks about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that technology we actually have back on the show. One of our favorite guests, Rachna Giovanni, who is CEO and co-founder of an app called The Food Stand. And they are getting ready to roll out a new component to the app, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is all about challenging yourself to eat better and hopefully live a little bit better. But before we get to that, we'll go around the room. We'll introduce all the folks who are out here with us today in the repurposed shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, which is the Heritage Radio Network Studios. We have with us today focus group of one for the new food stand app, a gentleman by the name of Key Lee. Key, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. He comes from a tech background and has just gone through a very interesting personal challenge with a nutritionist and my fitness pal, so he's going to be talking about Changing your life through food. Absolutely. I'm excited to hear that. In the back, Mission Control, we have our trusty studio manager and Tech Bytes engineer, David Tadasori. Hello. How are you? Good. How was your August and summer? It was uh, pretty relaxing, uh, but I was here mostly, so, you know. Well, at least we got the air conditioning fixed, so yeah. it was comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the coolest place on the premises <laughs> for <laughs> more reasons true. than one. 
Yeah, at Roberta's there are multiple locations where they have wood-burning fires to fuel the pizza ovens, um, a lot of heat from the tiki bar, and then outdoor sun patio and all of that. So it's a pretty hot spot, literally and figuratively. The block is hot. There you go. The block is hot. We need bumper stickers. And then, of course, the lovely Rachna. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank we're, you, thank you. We're happy to be back. We're excited to hear about the next evolution in the Food Stand app. I'm so excited to be here to talk about it. I'm so excited to talk to you, Key, as my focus group of one. <laughs> so great to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. So before we get to the Food Stand app, we will start this episode of Tech Bytes, like we always do, where we talk about favorite apps we're using now. Maybe it's an old one that you love that's been on your home screen for a long time. Maybe it's a new one that you just discovered. Key, do you have an app that you like? Uh, yes. Well, it's a new app I discovered in the last 48 hours. It's Ooh. called Streaks. Okay. And it's Ooh. based off of, uh, I guess, a Seinfeld concept where I think uh, Seinfeld was famous for being very prolific with joke making, you know, back in the early days. And his method was every day he would write jokes just constantly. And he had this big wall calendar and he would exit out. Now, I'm not sure if the story is true, but So at some point Google, during the day, he would sit down, he would write jokes, right. and then when he completed his joke writing for the day, he would make a big X on the calendar. On that mm-hmm. day. And then his goal was to maintain that chain of Xs throughout the month. And so this is basically based off of that concept. So whatever the goal is, it's just Xing it, right? So if I want to exercise every day or every three days, whatever it is, it's just about Xing and just creating that chain mm-hmm. of consistency. That's it. So you set your own challenge. Yes. And then the app lets you track it and make X's. Yes. Do you physically like use your finger to make an X on your screen or is it a... No, it's very simple. You just press and hold for like a few seconds and then it creates that X. So you discovered it a couple days ago. Are you using it? Uh, Yes. Yes. Would you like to? (laughs) Only two days. (laughs) So do you have two X's? So it's working so far? Yes. Two X's. Yes. Yes. Which is based on me drinking a lot of water. Okay, so it's you're counting your water. Yes, yes, exactly. So my goal is eight glasses of water a day. What do you measure as a glass? Because that's the... That's mm -hmm. a great point. That's the vague thing. Yes. You know, I think glass, according to the USDA, is eight fluid ounces. That is my understanding as well. And uh, it's basically eyeballing the glass, but sadly. You, so <laughs> or it's those like European cute water cups at the restaurants that are like four ounces. Yeah, right. <laughs> then I double up on those. Some people say, some people, there are differences to eight glasses of water. So eight, eight ounce glasses of water. Some it's two liters a day. Some it's a gallon a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all eyeball for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But day two, great. Day two, yes. I'm literally in the middle of day two. Excellent. Good luck with keep. Does it go on in perpetuity? Yes. Indefinitely. Yes. So it could go forever. Yes. Okay. And theoretically, you should be drinking that water every day forever. So it should be the beginning of a very long process. Yes. Six more glasses to go today. Okay. (laughs) Maybe we can help you out with that. We do have water here. It's available. Yes. Maybe you can hit eight ounces during the show. Hopefully. Okay. David, do you have an app for us that you like? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, probably pretty well known, but it is uh, serving me well a lot lately. Uh, just the Chrome Remote Desktop app, um, which you can get on on your uh, computer as well. But um, it's great if I'm like running late or something. I'm on the train. I can like schedule an episode uh, on Heritage Radio to run remotely. So. Uh, Heritage Radio always is uh, on lock as a result. Wow. That sounds great, provided you have cell service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if I'm crossing the bridge, I can quickly, uh, you know, play a Tech Bytes rerun if I have to. But if you're trapped underground on the L train. Then all bets are off. Although there is uh, there's Wi-Fi underground on the L line in certain stations now. That's true. Progress is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Remote control desktop. We like that. So you're always mission control. Exactly. Excellent. 24-7. Love that. Rachna, do you have an app that you like these days? Uh, I do. I always have apps that I like. Um, One that is uh, indispensable in my life, um, primarily because it's our main mode of communication, is the Slack app. 
Uh, I'm sure everybody is familiar with Slack at this point. I feel like everyone I know is using it. Probably my mother's also using it. Um, and the app is just a great way to keep up with team communication when I'm on the go and I happen to be on the go often. Um, and then conversely to that, my other new favorite app is Insight Timer. It's actually not new. I just discovered it. A friend told me about it. Um, I'm new to meditation and it's a great free app that has a community that also has guided meditation practices. And then just basically the whole product actually is a timer for meditation with different sounds to accompany it. And it's been super helpful to get me to easily meditate wherever I am. Have you tried any of the other meditation apps? I have tried Headspace. Um, I am not yet ready to pay the seven or so dollars um, required to pay it because I'm not that frequently meditating. But um, perhaps after another month of using Insight Timer, I'll pick up Headspace. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Well, my app this week is not a new one, but it's an extremely useful one. Just because we're back to school now does not mean we should not be focusing on when our next vacation is. So my app is Hopper. And it's free, and you download it. And it basically, you plug in trips that you want to take, airport to airport, dates, and it searches airfares for you. It analyzes them, and then it tells you when it thinks the price will be the lowest. Ooh. And it sends you alerts when the prices start to change significantly. So I'm watching flights to France in December. Nice. So I think it's nice to spend Noël en France. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of amazing. Uh, it will tell you, you know, buy your tickets now. It's not going to, you know, they're going to be at this price and then they're going to incrementally go up and it tracks it for you. And so far it's been pretty accurate, mm -hmm. which is fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Although I've noticed that one or two airlines, um, big carriers like Delta, have for some reason or another decided not to allow a lot of the different pricing apps to pull their feeds. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a pretty broad stretch of airline companies from like Brussels Air all the way through <laughs> to, you know, Air France, but no Delta. And there's well, a one or two others, so... I'm checking Delta prices on the regular. So if you ever, if I come across anything, I'll let you know. Okay, very good, very good. So Hopper, it's cute, it's a bunny. It checks prices for you and it tells you when to buy. So it's never too late to start planning your next vacation. But to the app at hand, the Food Stand app. Food Stand, Rachna was on last year, or actually earlier this year. She's episode 51. And we talked about her app. It's a very interesting um, digital community around the idea of, you know, good eating and good food, both for our ourselves on a very individual and personal level, but then collectively on a community level, on a world level, on a political level. And it allows people to gather around really simply photos of great food and recipes of how to make them, but then also actionable things of how to, um, you know, check on where your politicians stand on different issues or what the ripple effect is of eating less animal products and more vegetarian products and different things like that. So it's really an, a, a vibrant, a beautifully designed community um, and fairly simple, but sort of allows you to peel the layers and kind of drill down and become more and more uh, thoughtful about it if you're interested in that. And out of that community came this idea where they wanted to help people on a personal level, maybe challenge them to build better eating habits or maybe people who are interested in changing an aspect of their life through food, helping people get to those points. And there's a lot of different things out there. We earlier uh, this year had uh, Jacob Janovic, who has a company called Feast Kitchen. He comes out of the MyFitnessPal world, and he too is interested in changing people's lives through food, um, very specifically um, better health for better living that kind of thing. My fitness pal is one. There's apps abound for that. So it's interesting that this is the, the next turn of the wheel for them and that it's going to be the part of their next release this September um, and talk about what the motivation is behind that, what the differentiators are, and then to really give it a test drive 
theoretically, in real-world usage, we have Key here, who is comes from a tech background and is currently working with a nutritionist for the first time and using MyFitnessPal for the first time and really... You know, his life is powered by apps and technology, and then now he's added that food component to it. So we're gonna, I'm gonna let Rachna sort of tell us about the app, and then talk with Key about how it works, and let them have a conversation about is it useful, helpful, what do we think, um, and we'll see how that goes. Great. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so uh, I will tell you a little bit about how we got here because Jennifer, you bring up a great point about um, you know the current community really is there based on the principle that um, you know we're around, we're good eaters when we're around other good eaters. That's a you know a proven proven principle, um, and that's really what the uh, the current food stand platform and community is really about is if if I you know if I hang out with you and if you're eating giant salads full of, of legumes and and you know sprouts and things I'll probably do the same thing and so the current community platform is there to offer that type of reinforcement and what we found was that that works really well for people who are like already there who are almost there right but if we're thinking about the person and frankly I have this challenge as well where if my current habits, my irrational behavior is not in line with what I want to do. Cultivating a new habit requires a bit more than just inspiration. Inspiration is part of the part of the the solution, but we need to do a bit more. So, the challenges concept came out of doing a very successful no food waste challenge in June with our community. We had a bunch of people participate. We reached over a million people with the challenge, which was pretty remarkable because we're a young and small company. And the cool thing was there were two interesting things. The first one we had people who were never, you know, not necessarily the the best farm-to-table eaters you could imagine actually participating. So we were getting new people in the door. And then the second thing that we saw was actually persistence in the habit, which is, you know, at the end of the day, when we're thinking about new habit cultivation, you were talking about streak. The goal is to, like, drink water, eight glasses of water, till forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were starting to see that with the food waste challenge. So we saw that there was value in creating a challenge to build a new habit. But food waste is one of many things that we care about. We have these four core principles of better eating, which are we didn't invent them. They sound like Michael Pollan's rules for good eating. Every nutritionist will tell you the same thing. It's around eating less processed food, eating more plants, eating fewer animal products, and eating more mindfully. And so what we're doing is rolling out a series of challenges on the app that will help you build habits within each one of those categories. In the processed food category, for example, will help you get soda out of your diet, will help you cut back on added sugar. In the, uh, in the eating more plants category, will help you eat at least three servings of vegetables a day, maybe five, because actually the guidelines, according to the USDA, is you should eat five servings of vegetables a day. We know most people are not doing that. And so the, the app is really based on a few core principles around behavior change. So the first is that we need to make things very, very easy You should always feel like you're in the game. We shouldn't set these 30-day goals where in 30 days you're going to become this magical new person. We really need to focus on small baby steps. The second principle is around positive reinforcement. So we know that punishment doesn't work. Making you feel bad, body shaming doesn't work. So we've really built in a series of really celebratory experiences that just give you all the dopamine hits you need to keep up with the habit. And then the third is around accountability. So an environment where somebody's helping you, somebody knows you're on this path, somebody's there to reinforce it. That's the other piece with our existing community. We're able to do that. We have thousands of people who are all interested in your success. And now we're creating a way for that to actually manifest uh, throughout a challenge experience. Uh, So this is less of an extreme, uh, extreme diet mm -hmm. or reset or elimination it is the or opposite. hard or hard turn into a completely different uh, style or diet of eating. This is a much more uh, gradual, modulated sort of adjusting small details, maybe on the edges to ultimately have them become just a part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because every every behavioral therapist you talk to, every registered dietitian you talk to will tell you crash diets don't work. They mm-hmm. sound interesting. It sounds nice to a person to say, hey, in seven days, we'll help you quit soda. 
for example. Um, it sounds nice, but it actually doesn't work. And in fact, that's why you have people yo-yoing back and forth between this diet and that cleanse and that detox. Those things end up not working because to actually change a habit, it takes time. And so we've built... 20, don't they say it takes 21 days? It's actually 66. 66? So it's longer. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's somewhere... longer than it was before. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, it depends on who you talk to, right? But the... The psychologist that we're working with, um, it's between 60 and 66 days. And so we help you. But after 66 days, to your point about the eight glasses of water, mm -hmm. you don't actually need to track it after like 67 days onwards. Right. The thing that actually works, and this is proven based on dog training and dolphin training, is you just have to spot check. Sort of like the select bus service in New York City. If anyone's ridden that bus, you get the ticket. You don't know if you're going to get caught. So you always get the ticket. I was thinking of random drug testing in sports. Yeah, or that. <laughs> <laughs> or that, yeah. Exactly. exactly, exactly. Just because we can't, we're just coming off the Olympics. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Russia. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So, so for in, with drug testing, right, you, you're, always, you, you're more inspired to be compliant because you don't know when you'll get checked in on. And mm -hmm. that's really our, our mode. So we, with our app, uh, with every good eating challenge, you'll do a thing for a period of time. We'll start with one day. You'll expand to seven days, 14 days. And eventually you'll ladder up to something between 45 and 60 days. And then we move you into a maintenance mode where every so often we'll just say, hey, Key, like, how, how are you doing with soda? And if you had a soda that day, totally fine. Nothing is, the app will not explode in your hand. We'll just say, okay, cool. If you want to restart, mm -hmm. no soda, we can restart you. Um, if you want to just have a spot check again in a couple of days, we can totally do that as well. But the idea is in order to build a real habit, you have to do it gradually. You have to do it with positive reinforcements. You have to do it with people helping you stay on track. Otherwise it's very easy to just sort of throw the phone away and then, you know, back to drinking soda. So on that note, we are going to take a quick break and hear from who our sponsors are, who keep us on track and keep, help us keep the lights on. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Key and talk about what kinds of changes he has been making and is looking to make in the future and see if an app like this would help or not. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Well. If you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that technology is an app called The Food Stand. It's a digital community around creating, making great food and helping us get to a better food world. And this month they are rolling out a new feature, which is the Food Stand Challenges, which is built to help people reach very specific goals about what they want to do with their food. And we have a great focus group of one in today. His name is Key Lee, and he has a great tech background. So he has all the user behavior of apps and interactions and using digital tools to power his life. But he is a first time sort of diet my fitness pal user nutritionist on board with his life now and yep. he's been having the uh his first experience really being kind of thoughtful about his food and what it's doing so why don't you tell us a little bit about your recent experience and what your goals are and then we can see if the the food stand challenges is something that would be you know helpful to you going forward yeah absolutely um you know for the first time in my life i uh actually am working with a nutritionist and it was all because um, I travel a ton 50% of my time is on airplanes and hotels and and unfortunately because of travel you know you don't really have the healthiest diet and I came back to New York uh, one day in April and I just said to myself boy I really feel like 
terrible. I'm not sure what kind of words you can use on. You on can the use air. any fucking words you want because okay. I checked so the I, explicit <laughs> box on iTunes. Yeah, I think Thomas Jefferson used this line. I felt like crap or something like that. And that I, sounds presidential. Yes, exactly. And so I said, you know, I, I really, really need to make a change. And you know, you know, uh, I'm one of the lucky few who've always looked slender. And so I took that for granted. And because of that, uh, I would eat whatever, right? Because I always maintain a certain slender look. But internally, I felt like turmoil. There was just, I just felt terrible. And so I, just, I said to myself, you know, I need to make a drastic change. Um, but more importantly, I needed to change my eating habits, right? And, can, and I'm in my early 40s. And, and, you know, the question is, can you teach an old dog new tricks? And so I decided to go get a nutritionist uh, based on the recommendation of a, a wonderful dear friend. And so I went to this nutritionist literally the next day. Um, I got an appointment with her. And, you know, what we did first was the first week she made me food journal. And it's the first time I've ever food journal. And Explain to people what a food journal is just in case they don't know. So she gave me one sheet of paper. And every day I had to write down exactly in what time. I ate and drank every detail uh, for seven days. So that was the first part of this journey. When I went back a week later, I was appalled by my diet. I, I was like, you know, because, you know, you think you know you're eating fairly good or fairly well. And then when you review what happened the last seven days, and you're like, oh, those four bourbons at one night was probably not wise. <laughs> the Taco Bell run... At 11 o'clock at night, it was probably not wise. And you, and you look at it and you're like, what happened? Right? And so... Was it, what was the most surprising thing for you? It sounds like it was a late night eating. I, um, it was, I think what was surprising was the inconsistency in the diet. Mm. Right? Yes, I might have had a chicken salad on Thursday for lunch. Right? But I didn't maintain that consistency. Right? Mm -hmm. At night, I'm, you know, eating whatever, right? And then... Bourbons and Taco Bell. Yeah. Yeah. What was actually really shocking, well, it shouldn't be shocking, but uh, was the amount of alcohol consumed on a daily basis, right? So, um, but I shouldn't be so shocked. Um, but so after a week, you know, I was appalled, I was shocked, and I thought that was really good for, for me. It was a shock to the system mentally. And so I uh, began this journey uh, right before Memorial Day weekend to take the entire summer and recalibrate my diet. And my friends thought it was crazy because it's the summertime. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to wait. And so I will say the first week was horrific. I mean, I, I was going to just quit this whole journey. I said, this, this, it's not going to work, right? But, you know, through persistence and through accountability because food journaling is impactful. It really is. Because um, it makes you self-accountable, right? And, and I felt like a little kid, like when I was in elementary school, giving my report card to my mother every time I went to see my nutritionist. And by the way, I went to my nutritionist once a week. So there's a certain consistency and accountability. And you know, it's funny because uh, you know, I, I felt sometimes I would feel ashamed handing in my um, little report card to my nutritionist, even though it's, you know, confidential, you know, but I still felt just a, a sense of shame, like, oh my gosh, I, I had that, you know, great bowl of pasta, you know. Did you tell the truth? You know what? There were, let me tell you something. <laughs> I will be completely honest. Good question. There were types, and it was more alcohol related. It's like, uh, I did have four bourbons that night, but I might write down two. Yeah. Um, but then I realized, you know, you're I, only hurting yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I will say I, I might have embellished on a couple of weeks, but I realized, um, Jen, as you say, you know, it's, this is about me, right? And about my own personal accountability and what's been fantastic because now I'm kind of towards the end of this journey. And what I've shared with friends is that um, it's created new habits, you know, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, the diet I was radically put on was a gluten-free diet. I don't have celiac issues or celiac disease, but she just put me on this particular diet to really recalibrate me. And, and what I've come to discover is not so much about being gluten-free or whatever classification people like to classify themselves as, but it's more about I'm now making better decisions in the food choices. And I think that's the most important thing for me is that 
you know, entering Labor Day at the end of this kind of like journey, um, I feel much more confident about my food decision making. Now, it's a journey, right? And a journey that will never end. So, but so I just want to continue that journey. And, and I think this app, you know, if I can segue over uh, to your app, uh, Rashna, is that what really resonated with me, you know, just hearing the, I guess, pitch or for the first time was you're addressing the underlying challenge, I think, for everybody is creating new habits. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, all the different things that you shared um, are all data supported things like the habits and mm-hmm. et cetera. It's in all the things that you mentioned, you know, I, I've read enough literature and everything you said makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing as I look at this app is that will it make a long-term impact on my life? And that is simply, will I make better decisions? Yep. Now, if you can pivot that app towards how do I reduce my alcohol intake, In that, fact, could, that could be a We are. Uh, <laughs> so one of our first challenges we're launching is a less booze a week challenge. Oh, interesting. Because a, booze has sugar, and yeah. people don't often realize how much added sugar they're consuming when they're having their gin and tonic and their bourbons and their old fashions and so on. So... There's also You'll have it. Yes. There's also statistically things that I have read on the internet. <laughs> it must be true. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything on there Believe is true. It. Believe it. That it's, uh, reducing the amount of alcohol you drink is better overall for your health and your weight and how you eat. But interestingly, it breaks down into slightly two different ways it manifests itself between men and women. Hmm. Hmm. When men stop drinking they make better food choices. So they're not eating Taco Bell and they're not eating pizza and chicken after they've had the yes. four bourbons or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So there's no Taco Bell run at the end of four bourbons because you didn't have the four bourbons. I can validate that. For women, women tend to go out and socialize and drink instead of eating. Oh, so I'm going to so go out and like meet with my girlfriends mm-hmm. and, and, or we're going to have, you know, meet at, you know, have a glass of wine or cocktails or cosmopolitans or whatever, you know, that moment is. And you drink and maybe you have tiny little nibbles, but you're not eating. So when women eliminate alcohol, they eliminate that huge category of empty calories and then maybe replace them with actual food and good meals. And then men eliminate the alcohol calories, but then also eliminate the next step, which is Taco Bell. So true. Interesting. Yeah. Or it could just be women also lying a little bit on their self-reported. Because, mm. I mean, sometimes after I have two old fashions, I do <laughs> wander past a pizza joint. Exactly. And maybe exactly. won't tell anybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So interesting. Key, do you think that having this as an online community and making these sort of subtle changes, would that have been enough to kickstart your process? Did you need more intensive accountability or something like that to get you started? Or do you think you could have eased into something like this? So from a community perspective, I'm not sure if, um, you know, I'm not sure if the accountability would be as impactful. But mm-hmm. where I do see value in the, in the, in the uh, community is simply this. It's more about research because when I started doing this, you know, gluten-free diet for the summer, the number one problem I had was, where do I get gluten-free food, mm-hmm. right? And because it's not, it was, never in, it was never the norm in my life. And let me tell you, if you drive down the New Jersey Turnpike and you get off at a rest stop, it's like 5% gluten-free products. I mean, it, New Jersey Turnpike is the worst for any diet. I grew up in New Jersey. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This, I mean, it's Popeye's and everything else, right? Um, but I think what the community could have helped me with, mm-hmm. right, was um, identifying foods and restaurants because, honestly, it was uh, it's a little painful just trying to find, like, oh, where are the gluten-free restaurants, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or whatever diet you're on. And so I think that's where the community can really help with the research and mm-hmm. recommending things. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. the other thing that we do have um, on these challenges is an ability to add a buddy. So one person who is your accountability person, oh, ideally that person would be a partner, a coworker, a roommate, a friend you see often, mm-hmm. because it's very easy to, you know, I know this, I can throw my phone away and then that notification that reminds me is not helpful. Right. But if my husband is there reminding me, hey, like you're supposed to eat your three vegetables, 
that's the added layer. So that person, your buddy, will actually get notifications on your progress, whether you're successful or not successful. They'll also be there in person to then give you the, the high five if you did the good thing or mm-hmm. check in on you if you perhaps are having a couple of slips in a row. So yeah. um, the accountability comes from the individual as well as the community okay. because we know that, you know, you need a real person yeah. there. That's and what your impactful. nutritionist is doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And you're right because my nutritionist check-in accountability, mm-hmm. it's only once a week, yep. right? And it's more about a scorecard and... Um, Monitoring, but you're right on a daily basis, which is where the battles are. Yeah, uh, that's what I really need yeah. uh, that accountability. So yes, absolutely, I think that's where the other value is in the community. Um, so, the four pillars mm-hmm. of the challenges and just sort of the idea behind them, which I'll just run through them again to refresh: eat less processed foods, eat more plants, eat fewer animal products eat more mindfully. Mm-hmm. This is a new part of the food stand app itself. Key, you went to see a nutritionist because mm-hmm. you had this moment where you wanted to sort of change your, your fitness inside. Mm-hmm. Are you building something for people who are already there? Like, the food stand community mm-hmm. itself is very thoughtful and yep. about eating better. Is this just enhancing and giving people who are already involved in this some process like this an extra boost, a way to make it easier, a way to be more engaged? Is this preaching to the choir and the people who are already eating really well and cooking well and having all these you know sort of enlightened moments? Is this drawing in people who are completely outside the sphere? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely drawing in people who are outside the sphere because, frankly, most of our members, if I give them the most basic challenges, they look at that and they're like, obviously I do this, obviously three vegetables a day. However, the market for this really is the person who is the aspirational healthy eater, so somebody who maybe visited a nutritionist, somebody maybe who tried my fitness pal and got totally overwhelmed with the logging experience or found that he or she was building an unhealthy relationship with food. It's for somebody whose current self is not their optimal self and they're trying to make a change, but they don't, you know, they don't aspire to kind of become like notorious about tracking calories or joining a crazy detox that seems too extreme. So in a lot of ways, this, these challenges will help us not only reach our, a bigger audience, but actually create impact among a community that really needs it, that doesn't have a current solution. I have a friend who last night told me she also just went to a nutritionist last week and her nutritionist printed out papers for her that looked like they were from 1970. And, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a you know, case study of one. But the point is that there are a lot of people who are hearing from nutritionists, from health coaches, from dietitians, from physicians, you need to make these changes you need to eat more vegetables. You need yes. to do this. You need to do that. But they don't have a platform. So every registered dietitian that we've interviewed, now we've gone through about 30 of them, have one actually fist pumped when I told her about this. <laughs> they find this really valuable because this is the stuff that they're communicating to their clients. But there's no kind of platform that enables them to, to track it and build those habits when the nutritionist is not there. So the, the weekly check-in is one thing. But what happens between day two and day seven? That's the big question, and that's really where I think um, we have a huge opportunity. And then, as, especially as I look at the stats of the market, you know, this is not this platform is not for somebody who has an extreme case, right? We're not promising you're going to lose 100 pounds when you join the Eat Three Veggies a Day Challenge. This there, is for somebody. There actually is no mention of weight loss yep. or body fat or yes. anything, sort of in a, a physical appearance metric. Correct. That's very intentional um, because we wholeheartedly believe that if you have good habits and if you focus on just building those very simple rules, you perhaps will lose weight. You perhaps will, you know, have a happy, happier inside. So like cutting out soda has proven to reduce weight, reduce risk of cardiovascular disease, reduce risk of diabetes. All those things will happen, but we're squarely focused on cultivating those habits. And that's why we're not going after the the person who has the extreme condition. We're going after the person who's sort of in range, but that population is huge, right? The population of pre-diabetics in this country is over 80 million people. Goodness. Those people don't look like they are sick. They probably don't know they're sick. Mm-hmm. And so we're really kind of targeting that community of people whose current self is not optimal self, but they don't have that much farther to go. 
Okay, and how do you see this playing out in your life in terms of the day-to-day? And did, did you become, you, you obviously became much more self-aware about what's mm-hmm. available out there and what kind of choices you had to make. Yep. Did that become an external conversation with your friends and your bourbon drinking buddies? Did you become sort of this nutrition evangelist and or did you keep it inside or no, I, did people I, not want to uh, hear from you anymore because enough with the gluten-free already no i, I broadly shared it with my uh, friends and they just firstly thought it was comical um uh, but secondly um they just one I, I guess they didn't have faith in me because of my <laughs> my eating habits <laughs> so uh but i proved them wrong you know i really did um you know, they were actually pleasantly surprised when, you know, we were ordering off the menu and I would order chicken, roast chicken or stuff I would not normally eat or devour. And so, uh, you know, and so they 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 found it very surprising that I could uh, do this during the summer. They kept emphasizing, I can't believe you did this during the summer. Um, <laughs> they would have said the same thing in the winter because then it would have been, it's holiday time, it's cold outside, right, exactly. we should be inside eating, There's you know, never big, a good time. big bowls of pasta and lots of wine. And exactly. Exactly, yeah. never a good time. Um, so they've been supportive. Uh, now they're very supportive. I, like I said, they thought it was comical at first. Um, but, uh, you know, just... But, you know, for now, moving forward, um, it goes back to just the underlying point. Um, even with my nutritionist, it wasn't about I want to lose X amount of pounds or anything. When I look back at it, it's very curious that we didn't really have these um, numerical or quantitative goals. Um, and, I th- and I'm much more appreciative now of my nutritionist because it really is about changing habits and I guess that was the underlying Mm -hmm. goal without me really understanding what this whole journey was about Uh, but at the same time you know I'm not going to be with my nutritionist for the rest of my life she's kind of recalibrating my life and I think apps like uh, like these can actually help uh, maintain consistency and compliance Um, I think the challenge is because I haven't really touched the app yet it's really about uh, user experience, yeah. um, and I'll be honest. I've used used My Fitness Pal because I can't be carrying my paper and pen around when I'm traveling. Um, so I actually um, downloaded My Fitness Pal so I can maintain the journaling. But I will say, it, it, there was a lot of friction points. Um, it's challenging. It's challenging. Searching it's kind of the for only this thing and that. out there in many ways. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it has some great features to it. I like the barcode. Yes. scan where if yes. it's a product you can scan the information in but it's very time consuming and at the end of the day because it's all user generated input yep. it's kind of a crapshoot mm-hmm. so you have to yeah. take it with a grain of salt and, and take it as an estimation yes. of where you are versus a actual yeah. accurate and, and I think um, you know, I'm a, I've, my view on apps it's all about simplicity right? and even when I use my fitness pal, even when I looked up or searched up a certain dish, I had like 50 different choices from yep. different restaurants yep. mm-hmm. and, and varying calories. And I'm like, I don't know which one to pick, you know, so I would pick that one by default. Uh, but it goes back to the underlying point of I think apps succeed when um, they're simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is they can be incorporated into a person's psychology. Um, you know, you know I, I came from Google f- uh, after over nine years. And when we looked at developing products, um, this was kind of like the unwritten rule about, you know, product ideas. You know, can we make it a product like a toothbrush? Meaning we brush our teeth at least twice a day, right? It's, it's habits, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think of it, 40% of our activities daily are unconscious habits. Yep. And that's the brilliance of Google search or search in general is because we're always searching for something, whether mm-hmm. it's finding a location or whatever it is, we're constantly doing it. And it goes back to the point, uh, the underlying point of it's about simplicity. Can it enter into our daily lives, right? Yeah. And I think if this can enter into my daily lives because of its simplicity and because of my, you know, uh, personal goals, mm-hmm. then I think it can be very successful. Yeah, and yeah. I think that the, we share a very similar principle about building an app. I think it's an interesting one when you think about building an app to create a habit because you're asking a member to create a habit to fix a habit 
right? You mm-hmm. want your app to become the habit to then adjust a habit. So exactly. It's multi-layered. So that first instance, that experience with the app needs to be simple and beautiful and enjoyable just on its own before it can do the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why our check-in process is the exact opposite of what you're describing with my fitness pal. There's no logging of food. There's no itemizing anything. You're simply coming in, you're drawing a pretty check mark with your finger. You mm-hmm. get that it's going to erupt in like dancing unicorns and give you positive stimuli. And that's it. Because we realize that, you know, it, it must be joyful before anything. Right. Only then will it work at adjusting your habits in real mm-hmm. life. So, Roshna, how do you plan on finding and connecting with the 80 million plus people who are kind of at risk in a health sense because of their diet? If you're out there, come find me. No, I'm kidding. Um, so we've uh, we've been fortunate, even up until now, to have incredible partners who've been supporting our work, who have a you know their own networks of people who care about the same things, who think about the same things. So there's a couple of organizations that we are that I'm allowed to say we're working with because um, it's confirmed. And then there's going to be a bunch of others. Basically, we're rolling this out through partners who have existing audiences. So one of our biggest partners for um, our less meat challenge is actually Meatless. Monday. And they, you know, they're the sort of the ones who started this meatless thing. Um, so we're working with them to reach out to their whole community, which is millions of people world, worldwide to say, okay, you did this on Monday. Now, like, what about Tuesday? What about let's track it and let's see if you're actually keeping up with it as opposed to just sort of adding the hashtag on your Instagram post. So they're one of our partners. We're also talking to large groups of registered dietitians and nutritionists who have, you know, who share similar goals and whose clients or patients also share similar goals. So we'll be rolling this out through them. And then the third group that I can confirm for sure is we're going through um, the Center for Livable Future has been a collaborator. So the Johns Hopkins Center for Livable Future, they have, they've done nice. the biggest research on a lot of this stuff. Um, so we're working with them to roll it out through um, different pockets of students at Hopkins, and then we'll take that model and roll it out to other students and other universities. So going through the trenches of sort of people who are interested and then taking it from there. Absolutely. That's and, great. And, and I think that, you know, just by early testing, we've seen already that um, people have said, oh, if, it, if it's not for me, I know like seven other people that definitely need to do this. So the viral component of us, whether it's through me adding you key as a buddy to mm-hmm. my challenge or it's me talking to, you know, my husband or my dad saying, like, you need to do this challenge with us. Those are the types of things that I think are going to happen because, to your point, you had that conversation with your friends that yes. I'm doing this thing. So it's part of cultural conversation right now where it's going to come up. So there, I think there will be natural viral growth. But we are starting with um, groups of partners that have audiences that I think would care about this. Well, maybe we'll have you both back on at the end of the year and see how you're doing. It's sort Definitely. of a check-in yeah. to see how <laughs> the challenges are going and see if Key has stayed stayed on track or if he's back to burritos and bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. At the end of every show, I like to ask guests for a little piece of actionable advice for listeners to maybe use in their real life. Because both of you travel quite a bit and both of you are obviously thoughtful about your food. Key, how do you find... How did you find the gluten-free options or the specific healthy options you were looking for while you were traveling in the fast food airport turnpike universe? It is about planning. Um, That was a conversation I had with my nutritionist. She said, you know, uh, before this trip, could I tell her exactly where I'm going? And and, uh, and she'll give me recommendations on, well, package some nuts and cheeses, whatever it is. So it's really about planning more than anything else Um, obviously there'll be situations because you know i'm in these business dinners and and some of the restaurants we choose are not you know aligned with my diet Um, so yeah there'll be challenges there but for the most part it really is about a little prep and plan before i take off and packing a lunch yes (laughs) yes which is hard but yes and same question to you rachna how do you how do you maintain your challenges and your healthy, mindful eating when you're traveling so much and on the go? Um, so I have now started keeping a list of what to eat in airports because I find no. myself in airports I should do quite that, often. Is that list available to the public somewhere? It will, it will be available to the public very soon. Um, and, and it really goes back to some core principles. So I've realized that most coffee shops, coffee stands and airports have nuts. So I always grab the nuts. Most airports and and sort of rest stops always have bananas, so I always grab the bananas, and then I always keep a water bottle with me 
because hydration in these situations is critical. Um, that's definitely one big thing. And then the other thing that one of the challenges we are launching, um, and it's one that I've been practicing for the last few weeks, is eating one distraction-free meal a day, meaning no devices. Don't eat in front of the TV, oh. in front of the computer, in front of your phone. Book, and magazine? Book, magazine is okay. okay. Friends are okay. So Just digital. Nothing, nothing digital that right. will send you a push notification that you'll open up Instagram or Snapchat or whatever um, that will distract you from what you're actually doing. And so that, it, especially while traveling, I've done where if I'm waiting to board the, the flight, I'll actually eat my breakfast and I will not look at anything else. While eating my breakfast, it slows me down. I end up eating less. I enjoy and savor the food more. And frankly, like, I, I can benefit from pulling away from a device for about 20 minutes. Um, I, I need to do more of it. So that's the other practice that I think uh, everybody should give it a try. Um, I think you'd be surprised at how good it feels. I like that. And one of the things in the food stand challenges is that you can suggest challenges and create new challenges. So there'll be room for people to say, hey, this might be a good idea. Yeah. So we are currently taking votes on new challenges. Um, because every challenge is custom and we give you a full curriculum, we can't just roll them out, um, all 50 of them right away. But if you have any challenge ideas, please email us, team at thefoodstand.com. And we have a running list, uh, and we're going to be rolling them out as people vote for them. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you both for coming out to Roberto's, to the shipping container, to have this conversation. It was a great one. It was a thoughtful one. It gives us I think even if you don't have an app or a nutritionist or a game plan, it, it's some good ideas for maybe just eating better to feel a little bit better on the inside, not necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like weight or body shape or anything mm -hmm. like that. All good things to think about to kick off the fall semester. If you like this show, come back and see us. We have a new time this season. We are Thursdays at 11 a.m. We're very excited by our new time slot. It's exciting. If you really thought the show was amazing, go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a good review. If you cannot live without it, go to heritageradio.org, click the beating heart, and send us what you spent on coffee today. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We subsist entirely on contributions from our underwriters, sponsors, and members like you. I'm Jennifer Leitze. This is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.